Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. This is the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot. We have Rosh Hashanah, which I believe is a shadow of the rapture, Yom Kippur, which I believe is a shadow, (coughs) pardon me, of the second coming. And then we have Feast of Tabernacles, like I said, which I believe is a shadow of the wedding supper of the Lamb. Now, I'm going to explain a whole lot of stuff about the Feast of Tabernacles, which begins tonight, um, that will make this, uh, I'm going to have to give a whole lot in about 20 minutes, but it'll make it clear why this is, of all the appointed times, the Moedims of God, It is probably the most important. In fact, it is the most important. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 16, three times a year we come before the Lord and we don't come empty-handed. Now, we know that. That's Passover, that's Pentecost, Shavuot, and that's Feast of Tabernacles. These three times a year, when we come before the Lord with an offering that is beyond our tithe, beyond what we're doing for widows and orphans, when we bring this offering... Three times a year, a window of heaven opens up. It's not there 365 days of the year. It's only open (coughs) for about three weeks. And if we miss that window, if we don't know about it, nobody told us. If we miss that window, then the blessing that comes through that window that you showed. The word window in heaven is the word, uh, in Hebrew is the word you showed, which means a funnel from the throne of God to our needs, to our lives, to our family. If we miss that, then that window and the blessings that come through that window during this time are lost for a year. Now, I believe in all my heart that Rosh Hashanah is an example of the rapture. I believe in all my heart, Yom Kippur is an example of the second coming. I believe in all my heart that Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot, is an example of the wedding supper of the Lamb, the greatest celebration you and I will ever know that will lead us into eternity of blessings. Now, I might be wrong. I don't believe I am. I might be wrong, but I believe, and I know the wicked servant says the master delays his coming. I know that. But I believe, personally, now I'm living like the Lord could come tomorrow. You are too, right? I'm living like he could come tomorrow. But I, I think that because the rapture didn't take place during Rosh Hashanah, second coming during Yom Kippur, and therefore we're not in the wedding supper of the Lamb, but we are in a shadow of that, I believe the blessing that God releases on us in the next three weeks will be the greatest blessings we have ever seen and will last us an entire year. And the enemy can do nothing to steal that. Nothing. Amen. Say, well, pastor, what about what's going on in the world and what's happening in our country? And, you know, I was thinking about that. I've been thinking about that the last couple of weeks. And, uh, You know, in order to receive this blessing, 
that God releases begins the release tonight that we need to make sure our hearts are right with God and with people. That's what Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is all about. And so I was thinking, you know, I, 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 believe, in, I, I believe this a thousand percent. The blessings on the children of God going into these end times, I believe we're so close to the coming of the Messiah. We are so close to the coming of, of our Lord and Savior. And where we'll tabernacle with him in Jerusalem, I want to, I believe we're so close that the blessing is just going to get greater and greater because we're going out a glorious bride. We're going out without spot, without blemish. We're going, <coughs> pardon me, we're going out the lender, not the borrower. We're going out the head, not the ta- tail. So I was thinking about this the last couple of days. I want to make sure that my heart is right, not only with God, I know it is, but with people. And so I've been real harsh on this present. Uh, administration. And I thought instead of, you know, always hacking on the present administration, I would first to make sure my heart's right, read a list of good things that this present administration has done. Yeah, I got nothing. I've been wanting to do that for three weeks. <laughs> Feast of Tabernacles. Read with me in Leviticus chapter 23, starting with verse 33. Folks, please look at me. Look at me. Please prepare yourself for the greatest time of God's blessing and miracles and finances. I know, I know what's going on. You know, the, uh, Derek and Scott and, and Kenny in the back were telling me all these things. You know, I, I've been out of church more this last two months than I ever have in my entire Christian life. Just circumstances, Israel, Brazil, Istanbul. And, and uh, I haven't been watching the news and they were telling me things that are going on in the news um, that is just like God shouting, get ready. This, this is an exciting time. All right, Feast of Tabernacles. <coughs> Pardon me for the cough I have. Verse uh, 33. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel saying, the 15th day of this seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles, for seven days of the Lord. On the first day, there shall be a holy convocation. and You shall do no customary work on it. And for seven days, you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. And on the eighth day, you shall have a holy convocation and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is a sacred assembly and you shall do no customary work on it. These are the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. Once again, I know most of you know this, but the Hebrew of holy convocations means a divine rehearsal. It's the real thing. It's the real thing. Exactly what happens at the feast of the wedding supper of the lamb forever will happen beginning tonight for us. It is exactly the same. Not someday, Today, your blessings begin as never before. Amen. These are the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, to offer an offering made by fire 
to the Lord, a burnt offering and a grain offering and a sacrifice and a drink offering and everything on its day. Besides the Sabbaths of the Lord, besides your gifts, besides all your vows and besides all your free will offering, which you shall give to the Lord. Also on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. And on the first day, there shall be a Sabbath rest. And on the eighth day, a Sabbath rest. And you shall take yourselves from the first day of the fruit of the palm trees, the branch, the palm, the trees, the boughs, the leafy trees, the willows, the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. And you shall keep it. Now, let me, let me stop right there. And I know you know these things. These seven days are seven holy Sabbaths. For seven days, you are not allowed to say anything negative. It's a cult. No complaining. No, no, no arguing. For seven days, God commands you to be happy. All right? Say starting now. So you can't say anything bad about me when you leave. Verse 41, you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in that year, and it shall be a statue forever in your generations. Somebody say forever. forever. This is a teaching forever. Are we, is Abraham our father? Yes. Are we grafted into them through Abraham, through Jesus, our Lord and Savior? Yes. Then they're for us. Celebrate the seventh month. You shall dwell <coughs> in booths, tabernacles for seven days, and all who are native Israel shall dwell in booths. I, I got a, a picture today. I wish I had put it up there of friends of ours in uh, Jerusalem, outside of Jerusalem, in their booth, in their tabernacle. Every house, every business in Jerusalem right now is building a Sukkot, a tabernacle, a, a temporary dwelling place honoring this day. And in that Sukkot, in that tabernacle, they, have, they will eat in there, they will drink in there. And it's to remind all of us that this journey is a temporary journey. It's a temporary dwelling place. And then in the roof, there's always to be a spot that's open that while you're temporary gathering in this life, the roof is open because you're keeping an eye for the coming of the Messiah. Amen. Amen. It's everywhere. Every restaurant, everywhere. All right. So the Lord tells us that we are to remember this Sabbath. We are to remember this feast. We are to remember this holiday to remind us, number one, our life here on earth is a temporary journey. It's here today and gone tomorrow. It's like you blow your breath on a cold morning, it's there and then it's gone. But it's also to remind us, and this is especially true right now, it's also to remind us that no matter how bad the desert is out there and how many enemies there are out there or how dry it is or how we have no food, God is our provider 
and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can still bring water out of a rock. He can still bring manna from heaven. He can still lead us by the fire during the night and the cloud during the day that if we will allow God to tabernacle in our lives, he will provide for us. He will protect us. He will lead us and guide us. And folks, we have never before been closer to entering into the promised land than we are right now. Somebody say amen. All right. So let me give you just very quickly in the next 15 minutes, very quickly, some of the key points to the Feast of Tabernacles. You know, one of these years, maybe, maybe next year, we ought to do a whole drama presentation of the Feast of Tabernacles because it is the most amazing celebration that anyone has ever seen in the city of Jerusalem. And in ancient Hebrew, there's no word for what? What I'm about to describe to you has been thought by many scholars for 2,000 years to be an exaggeration. That millions of people from the Pool of Siloam would march up to the temple waving their first fruits and waving the willows and the water libation and all the priests and the blowing of the trumpets. Many thought, well, it's an exaggeration. There's no proof it really happened. Although about six, seven years ago, a pipe burst in the old city of Jerusalem. And when they dug down to fix the pipe, guess what they found? They found the pilgrim's road that has been there for thousands of years, pristinely kept in intact the very road that we're talking about today. And as Prime Minister Netanyahu said to me one time in a group of uh, politicians from Europe, he said, Pastor Larry, my relatives and your relatives walk this road together waiting for the Messiah. And pretty soon we're going to walk it together again and welcome the Messiah. That's how close we are. <coughs> the Bible says in Zechariah 14:16, it says, it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations, nations means Gentiles, which came against Jerusalem. Now remember up until not many years ago in our lifetime, in the last 20-something years, the Gentiles have been the enemy of Israel. The Gentiles have been the enemy of the Jews. But the Bible says in the last days, God will bring messengers and will reverse that curse. And we will, instead of being the enemy to Israel, we will become a blessing to Israel. Somebody say, that's you. That's you. Okay, do you understand? This is new. I can remember when John Hagee called me. <coughs> I was the second one he called to be on the board for um, Israeli Al uh, um, Kufi. And he said, I don't know if we'll get 10 people coming out, but I know you and I will stand, stand with Israel. When we started doing this, no one in the Christian world, very few in the Christian world, Derek Prince was the, the, the grandfather of this, 
They all said, we're the new Israel. We've replaced Israel. And now in the last 25 years or so, we realize we have not replaced Israel. We have been grafted into Israel. And the very father of all blessings, I will bless those who bless Israel, is now being fulfilled in our lives as never before. And I want you to know you're next because God is going to do amazing things for every one of us whose eyes are open and we have ears to hear. Somebody ought to say amen. I'm I'm just so thrilled about it. Look what it says. And it shall come to pass that everyone who was left of the nations, the Gentiles who came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts and keep the feast of tabernacles. This is thousands of years old, thousands of years ago. The prophet prophesied that right at the time of the coming of the Messiah, the Gentiles will go full circle and they'll begin to keep, as we are today, the Feast of Tabernacles. Now watch this. The Lord of Lord and host of hosts and keep the Feast of Tabernacles and it shall be whichever of the families of the earth (coughs) do not come up, make Aliyah to Jerusalem. That's what we're doing in our heart. There will be for them no rain. Now, remember in Malachi, when he's talking about the open windows of heaven, remember the prophecy that there'll be the early and the latter rain. Look at me. The early rain is a rain that is a light mist that comes after great drought. The seeds planted, the fields are ready, but there's been no rain. We've been in Israel when this has happened. And if a heavy rain came, it would wash the seeds away because it's so dry. But if a light rain, an early rain comes, it will cement that seed in the ground that no wind, no storm can uproot the harvest that God is about to bring. And then after that seed is, and that seed is being cemented tonight for your life, for your family. When that seed is cemented, then God brings the latter rain, which brings an abundance of harvest beyond anything we have can even imagine. We were in Israel with a group and we were coming up out of the desert. It'd been nine months of drought. It was during the Feast of Tabernacles, getting ready. We're coming up to Jerusalem. And I can remember people on, on our bus say, Pastor, look. And we looked out over the old city of Jerusalem and there was a giant rainbow over the old city of Jerusalem, a giant rainbow over the Temple Mount. It was so moving. Our tour guide said, pull off. And we pulled off the side of the road and we watched this rainbow and then a double rainbow come over the city of Jerusalem and we begin to weep and cry and shout. People in Israel were saying the drought is broken. The drought is broken and the blessing of God is being shown to us. Listen to me. We are in that time when all the world will call us blessed. You and I are a part of this end time. If you receive that, give the Lord a great big clap offering and say we're next. This is the time when the harvest comes. I'm saying this very quickly, forgive me. This is the time when the curses are canceled. I don't have time to read it all. And then at the end of it, the very last day of this is another Sabbath and it's called uh, uh, Rabbah Hashanah, which is the great Sabbath. And I'll explain all that. Let's look at three things very quickly. I'll take three minutes on each one of them. The first thing on on the Feast of Tabernacles is the temple lighting ceremony. 
This is when they had in the temple grounds this huge area to worship. It was actually in the court of the women. They had four towering menorahs that were 75 feet tall. They had 16 bowls coming off of these menorahs, huge vats of oil. And the high priest would take the priest's clothes the, the priest would take the high priest's clothes that was used on Yom Kippur to make sure every sin was forgiven, every curse was broken, and they would wrap them on a, uh, uh, on a large uh, uh, pole, and they would reach into these 75 feet tall giant menorahs, and they would light them so that every corner on every street in Jerusalem was lit by the lot of God. This is where the woman, but just a side note, this is where the woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Remember that story? This is during the time. This is, this is the difference between religion and a relationship with God. Here's the greatest time of God's mercy and grace and joy and breaking curses and releasing blessings. And these religious guys grabbed this woman who was caught in the act of adultery. She did it. And they bring her before Jesus, not because they cared about morals, but they cared about somebody taking their light away and Jesus having the light being the light of the world. And this is where Jesus rode in the, in the dirt and he rode out their names and he rode out their sins. And Jesus said to the woman, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, none here, Lord. He said, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. This is an example that no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that light penetrates every part of our life. And it doesn't matter what people say. What matters is what Jesus says. And Jesus says, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. Somebody ought to give him thanks. <laughs> the next thing is called the water libation. Excuse me for going th through this so fast. But they would go down in three groups and they would go to the pool of Siloam at the bottom. And, and, and you can actually do this now. You can walk from the Pool of Siloam all the way up to the Temple Bound Steps. And there's actually a place there where they said this proves that Jesus was there. It's a place where the money changers were ripping the people off. It's a, it's a place. Just a side note. <laughs> Just a side note. Just a side note. You think about Malachi chapter 3, right? And he says, I'll open up for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing. There won't be room enough to receive it. Look what comes right before that. Right before that, he says, I'll judge those who are taking the offering. I'll judge those who are receiving the offering. We live in a day and age, guys, that we can't be fooled by gimmicks on Christian television or anything else. Can I, can I have an amen? amen? When I stand before the Lord, I'm going to give account as a leader whether I fleeced you or fed you. Amen. So no gimmicks in receiving the offering. This is why God lays it out plain. And he said, he'll, he'll judge those. And he said, we will return Malachi three. We will return to the offerings of old. So as you walk up there, we've got pictures of us sitting there where they would come in and they were cheating the people. They were changing their money so they could give to the temple and give to the first fruit offering. And the, and the, the, the money exchangers were cheating them. And so that's where Jesus came in and he saw it. He saw it. He sees if somebody's cheating you. He sees. But I'm going to declare to you right now 
that everything the devil has stolen from us, we're getting it all back multiplied by seven. Somebody say amen. Come on. So they would go down to the pool of Siloam and they would gather the water. It's called the water libation and they would bring the water up to the altar. And I'm doing this very quickly. Forgive me for doing this. At the altar for seven days, there has been sacrifices. Now, as they're bringing it up, they're blowing the shofar, sound the trumpet in Zion, blow, blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm. They're bringing it up. One guy is coming, one of the priests is coming through and he's playing a flute, leading the people up. He's playing a flute and they call him the pierced one. Now, it's amazing that during the time of Passover, when we receive the unleavened bread, that bread is striped by his stripes. We are healed. And that bread is pierced because of the nails in his hands and his feet. And now here we are, the one leading us to the Feast of Tabernacles, the one leading us to the celebration of the wedding supper of the lamb in Hebrew is called the pierced one. So he's playing the flute. He's leading the people in. There's guys coming up, and I'm saying this very quickly. There are guys coming up with 75-foot willow branches, and they're waving the willow branches as a sound. Hundreds and hundreds of... And they're waving the sound. It's the sound of the Holy Spirit, the sound of the voice of God. Remember, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell in that very place. So they're representing the Holy Spirit of God that leads them and guides them and teaches them. Here comes the Messiah. Now the priest comes up and for seven days, there's been blood sacrifice. We're redeemed by the That means we're reconnected by the blood of the lamb to every promise of God in the Bible. Say every promise. Every promise of God, every promise of God, every promise of God. And so long story short, they come up, they lay the willows on the, on the altar because God says, make me a tabernacle that I can dwell with you. Now that tabernacle is your life. And God is saying to us today, make sure you build me a tabernacle I can live in. Because I, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sitkanu, Jehovah Mekedesh, Jehovah Shalom, I don't want to be a God out there. I want to be in your home, in your family, in your life, in your business. I want everything you put your hands to. I want it to be blessed by Almighty God. So they build a tabernacle over the altar. The blood is there because the blood has brought forgiveness of sin and connected us with the power and the promises of God. But the high priest would then take in one hand a pitcher of living water from the pool of Siloam. This is the same place where the blind man washed his, in his eyes and he saw. And in the other hand, he would take a picture, pitcher of wine, which represented the covenant promises of God. And that God in a, in a, in a chuppah, when you're married, the bride and the bridegroom drink wine together to say, we are in covenant relationship. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So we have the forgiveness of sin. We have the voice of God, the salvation of God, the power of God. But then we also have the covenant promises of prosperity and healing and blessing and all these things that come along with it. 
Now, in the time before Jesus, there were those in the ministry did not believe that God, and I won't get into the whole difference between Sadducees and Pharisees, but they did not believe that our salvation with God had anything to do with blessing here on earth. They believed that on earth, you're on your own. God is only concerned about heaven. Well, Jesus disproved that. He said, I've come to give you and that life, joy unspeakable. Come on, somebody help me. But there are people today that believe, you know, when, when I first got saved, we were taught that poverty and suffering and a relationship with God are synonymous. They go hand in hand. But I want you to know that Jesus paid the price in full. Jesus paid the price for everything. He shed his blood in the garden, shed his blood at the whipping post, shed his blood, the crown of thorns in his hands, in his feet, in his side, went to the gates of hell, stomped on the devil's forehead and took the keys of life and death and comes to give us those keys. Somebody say amen. But in the time before Jesus, there was one high priest that believed you needed to suffer in order to know God. So when it came time, all right, the sins are forgiven. He had the, 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 the waters of salvation and he had the wine of the covenant promises of God. But when he went to pour the water on the blood, he poured the wine, which released the power of God, the covenant promise of God on the ground. So the people would not be blessed. He did not believe God's people should be blessed. And so from that moment on, for that whole year, the people in Israel walked without the promises of God. They walked without the power of God. So from that moment on, when the people would come up from the pool of Siloam, and you've got to picture millions of people all the way up the pool of Siloam, all the way up the, the temple steps, all the way through Jerusalem. Not everybody could see. There were those that were in front. They could see. And so as the priest would get up there and the, the blood's already been sacrificed, the water in one hand, the wine in the other hand, to release everything, that life more abundant, the people would begin to shout these words, we thirst, we thirst, we thirst. And what they're saying is, is we thirst for the presence of God. And then they would shout, show us your hands, show us your hands. And they wanted to make sure, where's my towel, Derek, please? No, my towel, uh, do I have a towel out here? They would show us, that's okay, that's all right. They would, they would shout, we thirst, we thirst. Now think about this. When Jesus hung on the cross, what was one of the last things he said? I thirst. Yeah. I thirst for the will of God in my life. I thirst, I thirst for the blessing of God in my life. What was the last thing he said? It is finished. It is finished. So as they're shouting, show us your hands, show us your hands, show us your hands. We thirst, we thirst. The priest would take the sacrifice of blood and wine and water and he would lift it up. Remember when they came to Jesus and they checked to see if he was dead, they shoved a spear in his side. And out of that wound came what? Blood 
and water because Jesus did not come just to get you and I to heaven. If that's all he did, we couldn't praise him enough. We couldn't thank him enough. If all he did was come and say, Larry, I forgive you for everything you've done. I could not give him enough praise or glory, but he shed his blood seven different times and you and I and everyone in our family are redeemed by that blood. And so when the priest would lift it up, blood, water, and covenant promise, he poured it on, and then he would lift up the empty vials, and he would say, it is finished, and the crowd would begin to give God all the praise and all the glory. Come on. My people destroyed for what reason? Lack of knowledge. So the people in the front, they would see it. They would see it, and they'd hear the priest shout, it's finished, it's finished. The people were shouting below, we thirst, we thirst. Is it finished? And so their job was to turn to the ones who couldn't see and say, it's finished. And they would turn to the ones and say, it's finished. And our job is to turn to the world every day at school or at work, on our job or on television and tell the world that it is finished, that the blood of Jesus Christ has paid the price in full and we thirst and what we're thirsting for is the presence of Almighty God in our lives and in our country. Somebody say amen. Stand with me all over the building if you would. Forgive me for going through that so quick. Forgive me for doing that so quick. After seven days of this, then we would come to the eighth day. The eighth in Hebrew, the number eight in Hebrew is the number of a new beginning. Now, I have to tell you that when God gave us the name of our church and our ministry, New Beginning, we didn't know this. This was long before we understood anything about Jewish roots. But the number eight is the number of a new beginning. One of the guys that we've been doing tours with in Israel, Jacob, for 28 years, become a very good friend. In fact, he was with us the day the double rainbow was over Jerusalem. And he comes to us. He's not a religious Jew secular Jew was a military guy, tears in his eyes. And he said, I've been, I come into Jerusalem sometimes two, three times a day. I've been coming as a tour guide for 40 years. I've never felt God till today. I've never felt God till today. When God makes a covenant, see, we're, 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 not, we're not used to that, are we? A covenant. I remember... Several years ago, I was with two great, great Christian leaders. I won't tell you who they are. And I was just starting, Tiz and I were just starting to be on television. It was many years ago. And for some reason, I was in the back with these two Christian giants. And they're talking about this lawsuit and this person doing this and this person doing it. And this is a lot of years ago. And I said, you know, I think people on the streets understand covenant more than some people in the church you know if you give your word it's your word you you don't look for a way out 
You don't look for a back door. If you, if you give your word, you, it's your word, right? Well, we don't understand that totally, but let me say, God can't lie. He can't lie. And so when he gives us his word, it is a covenant bond. It is, it's a covenant sealed contract that he will not go back on. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Somebody say never. never. Now we might mess up. We might blow it. We might do this. We might do that, but he will never leave us. He'll never leave us. That eighth day, the great Sabbath, the Sabbath of new beginning. As you go on the, how many have been to Jerusalem with, how many have been to Jerusalem? You know, the temple steps, same steps that Jesus spoke on, same steps that Peter spoke on. By the way, we got a tour coming up next, where? May. You need to go with us. Even if you've been, you need to go with us. We might be, we're so close to Gumma Messiah, we might just be there and stay there. Would you be all right with me? Amen. But Jacob said to me, he goes, come here. And there's these three, they're sealed now because of Islam. But there's these three arches that they came out of. Narrow, there's two arches going in because narrow is the way in and broad is the way out. And Jacob said, after years, he said, come here, I want to show you something. And he walked up, we walked up and you can barely see it because it's 2,000 years old. But in Western Aramaic, there's carved in the stone of, the, of the, the, the arch on the far left. It says, on Sukkot, a man was healed here. It's, no, I, I said, I, I've been here, I've, I've been there 39 times now. I, I said, I've never seen this. He goes, nobody knows it. He said, it's not something Jews really point at. But on, if you remember on the day of the new beginning, the great Shabbat, when they've been crying, we thirst, we thirst. What did Jesus say? If any man thirst, let him come to me. I'll give you rivers of living water. Not just a temporary, not just for the year, not just for the day, for seven days, but I'll give you rivers of living water. And then he walked out, remember, and the disciples said, Lord, why is this man blind? For sins he's committed or sins his parents committed? Generation curses. Jesus didn't just take our sin. Curses he who hung on a tree. He broke every curse if we know it. He'll break every curse today. Today, family curses, generational curses broken. And Jesus said, in this case, so the son of man can be glorified. So here we are 2,000 years later, an inscription in stone, an inscription in the word of God, the rock of God, that God today will not only open the windows of heaven, he'll rebuke the devourer that's trying to come against your family, your home, your children, your grandchildren. If any of you thirst, come to me. Almost 45 years ago, I had seven federal warrants out for my arrest. Seven federal warrants. I tell people I ran from the long arms of the law to the strong arms of the Lord. Amen. 
And I know, I know it's not a coincidence. I've, I've told this story for 45 years now, 47 years. I had seven federal warrants for my arrest. It wasn't for 25, 30 years later, I found out Jesus shed his blood. How many times? Seven times. You know what that says? If any of you thirst, come drink from the fountain I drank of. And the water gets better every single day. And it's free. I'd like to have every head bowed, every eye closed, and no one looking around. We've gone long today, forgive me. But this is Sukkot. This is the Feast of Tabernacles. This is a appointed time on God's calendar for every one of us for the supernatural. I'm not going to bring you forward today because of time, but as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, there's no one looking around. You'd say, Pastor Larry, I'm ready to open the doors of my heart and have God come in and tabernacle with me. Maybe you've never been born again. Maybe you have been, but you've fallen away. Maybe you've grown lukewarm in your, in your relationship with God. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So you're here today all over the building and around the world. And you say, Pastor Larry, would you remember me in prayer? I want to give my life or rededicate my life to the Lord today. I don't want to put it off one more day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. And slip your hand up and say, Pastor, remember me in prayer and keep it there the whole time, please, because I want to catch every one of us. I see that hand, that that hand, 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 God bless you, that hand, that hand, just keep it up. That hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, God bless you, that hand, God bless you, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, God bless you, that hand, God bless you, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, God bless you. I see that hand, God bless you. I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, God bless you. That hand, 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 God bless you. That hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, God bless you. That hand, God bless you. Give these folks a great big we love you clap offering. Now, let me say this before we pray. The next thing will happen is the devil will speak to you. And he's going to say, you know what? They don't even know who you are. Jesus, they don't want you in their church. They don't want you around. When I came down to the altar that first time, I had no shoes on, no shirt on, needle marks up and down my arms from doing cocaine and heroin. And nobody in that building prayed with me. Nobody prayed with me. Myself and another girl, they walked around us. They looked at and they're good people. It became my church. It was a lesson for all of us. But I'm going to tell you something. Man looks on the outside. But God looks on the inside. Amen. And he says, come unto me. If you thirst, come to me. I'll not turn your way. And I say that I've said this probably a million times in, in 47 years. And I'll, say, I'll keep saying it until the Messiah comes. This is a... This is a, this is not a go get cleaned up and then come back. This is a come as you are party and let him do the cleaning up. Just like the woman in the light, just like the woman at the lighting ceremony. Can I give you one more little tidbit of knowledge? The high priest 
that would light that light, or the priest that would light that light, lit them from the high priest clothes that were covered in blood from Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, when he would offer the sacrifice of the lamb on the altar. And he would be covered in the blood's lamb. He would take those clothes off. And as he took them off, he would wash himself in the water. And as he washed himself, thank you, Lydia. As he washed himself in the water, he'd go behind a curtain and he'd put on, he'd take the bloodstained clothes and he would put on pure white. And then after the pure white was on, the sins are forgiven. The stain, though your sins be as scarlet, I will make you white as snow. See, the devil say, oh, if people only knew. You know what? Who cares what people know? He already knows. And he said, it's finished. And then the high priest would come into the Holy of Holies where the power of God was. And he'd sprinkle the blood on there seven different times. But you know, those blood-stained clothes of the high priest, they would take and set aside for the lighting ceremony. Those clothes are called swaddling clothes. Swaddling clothes. And when Jesus was born, and by the way, the Hebrew word for manger is also the Hebrew word for Sukkot. So when Jesus was born and came and tabernacled amongst us, historians say not only was he not probably born in hay, but born in a Sukkot of people waiting for the coming of the Messiah. And he was wrapped in the clothes representing the high priest of Almighty God. Because Jesus is not just a king. He is the king of all kings. And he is the Lord of all lords. Amen. Take your neighbor's hand across the building. Let's say this out loud. Say, Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Now, this is Sukkot. Say, say this real powerfully now. Satan, get out of my life. Get out of my home. Get out of my family. Get out of my mind. Get out of my body. Get out of my spirit. Get out of my finances. Get out of my future. I declare in the name, by the blood, every curse is reversed and every blessing is received. Not someday, but today, 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 in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now give the Lord a great clap offering of praise. Derek, come stand with me here. Now, we're going to receive the first fruit offering. This first fruit offering opens the windows of heaven, pours out, Derek, please, pours out a blessing beyond anything we can imagine. Yes, it does include finances. And I am not ashamed to say 
that God wants to financially bless every one of his people. Good measure. Pre- Come on, somebody. I need a better amen to that. We have, we, have, we have heard, we have heard all the gimmicks on prosperity. We've heard all the attacks on prosperity. So far, so far this year, you guys have given just to Israel somewhere around to to bring to save Jewish lives in so many different ways somewhere so far this year somewhere and I'm talking about our our new beginnings family at home you have given to Israel somewhere around two million dollars to save Jewish life come on come on celebrate that come on celebrate that and and that's not a light thing remember the avos of all blessing the father of all blessings is Almighty God says, I will bless you who bless the nation of Israel. I will bless you who bless Israel. That is the birthing of all miracles. And you think about today, we were named our ministry number one in the world, in the world as an ally to Israel by the Israeli government. Think about 25, 28 years ago, whatever it was, Derek Prince said, you'll be an arrow shot to the world. Shot to the world. Right now, we are shooting God's word. The, the whole world's watching right now. Every, every seven days a week, we're on somewhere in the world every day, somewhere in the world teaching the word of God. That's because of you. Amen. So when we, when we, can I give you one more little piece of info? Yes. If you read, this is what the woman said, if I could touch the hem of his garment. Jesus didn't wear a, a white robe, a white Roman robe. Jesus wore a uh, tallit. And when God says to the men, and women can do that also, take my word and put zitzitz on the hem of your garment. And it says to add a blue string to it. For 2,000 years, they have lost the ability to find this blue. They've lost it. Now, in rabbinical Judaism, one of the signs that the Messiah is at the door is they would rediscover it. I, 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 I may be wrong on the exact number. To get the blue, this blue that you see on these corners, I think it takes 16,000 snails, 16,000 snails to do something like three of these tallits. Sam Grunwerg, who we work with Aliyah in, that was here a month ago, his neighbor and them are scientists and about a year ago, and it's been proven rabbinically around the world, they have rediscovered this blue. There's been blue, but they have proven that this is the blue in which God said, this is one of the signs that the Messiah is right at the door. Now, this is the first time that I'll be wearing this for the Feast of Tabernacles. They just gave this to me uh, as a gift when we were, when we were in Israel with our family. And I'm going to put it on when you come through and bring your first fruit, lay your first fruit offering in. This is, this is, represents the Holy of Holies. Oh, uh, it also represents a hoopah. And a hoopah is a covenant contract between bride and, bride and groom. 
And so when you lay your offering on there, I want to stay here. Derek and I will be here together. Tiz will be here. We're going to wave the, the, the seven fruits, which represents every area of your life. There is no limit. There's no limit. Say no limit. Something may look impossible. It may look impossible. You, you, your son has, your grandson has incurable leukemia. Your wife has three months to live. But with God, when he opens the windows of heaven, he will release exceedingly abundantly above anything we can ask or think. So when you bring your offering, and excuse me for taking so long, but we only have this once a year. You bring your offering, we'll remove this. You come in and you go to the left or the right. And what you're saying is you're receiving a divorce. This first fruit gives you a divorce uh, from everything the enemy has tried to do to you this year and you're walking into this new year with a new beginning and the blessing of God in every area of your life. Amen. Now, before we do that, I would ask you to turn, which camera can we use? This camera right here. Everybody turn to that camera because we literally have tens and tens of thousands of people on with us right now. And Father, we release the blessing of God on every one of our partners from around America, Central and South America, Europe, Australia, Canada, throughout Europe, everywhere in the world, in Asia and in Israel, we release God's great, great blessing on every one of you. And we love you beyond words that we can explain. And we give God for you all the praise and all the glory. And all God's children shouted, amen. amen. God bless you as you come. We're gonna, as you come, we will wave. Tis and come, our family will come, our staff will come. We're gonna wave the blessing, God. No limits, no boundaries, amen. Can you lift that on me? Coming into the night, wanting a place to hide this very soul.
blessings, 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 blessings. Blessings, 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 blessings. Let's, let's come in agreement. Tears, come with me. Let's come in agreement. Unlimited blessing. Father, we thank you that you've allowed us to come in our lives to this day. And Father, for what you've done in our lives and what you've used our lives to do, we give you all the praise and all the glory. Now, Father, I ask you, more than that, we receive the blessing of God on all your people who have stood with you in these years of blessing the nation of Israel. We thank you, Lord, for how you've used us and we give you praise and glory for how you're going to use us to make a difference. And Father, I ask that you release such a blessing on every one of their lives that all the world will know that it is because of you and all the world will give you all the praise and all the glory. Father, we receive this as we enter in through these seven days of Sukkot. Father, we give you praise and glory. And as we enter into number eight, may every one of us in every area never forget it is you who gives us a new beginning. I release this blessing. On all of us. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, who is our...